0: You're listening to Mitnick's Monthly Brushstrokes, a podcast on the art of outsmarting, the fun part that sets you apart. I'm Keith Mitnick, author of Don't Eat the Bruises. For more information, visit keithmitnick.com or email me, it's kmitnick at forthepeople.com. Hello, everybody, and I want to pick up with a damage argument that I call establishing the dignity of damages, and it I'm doing this right on the heels that we talked about not letting them turn your case inside out. In my new book, I hope will be out uh, for too long before too long with trial guides. It's called Deeper Cuts. I'm going to lay out in, in in detail a system that I call maximum damage matrix and it's a way to get the maximum damage in cases in all cases but it's particularly designed for those cases where you can't judge a book by its cover where the person looks fine but it and it's not the injury's not interfering so much with the uh, doing as it does with the experience of doing because it's a lower level pain that's always there gnawing and eroding kind of like background noise when you walk in a department store and there's that hiss that drives you crazy, but it doesn't mean you fall on the ground and flop around. You can still shop and function and walk in and out of the store. It's an injury kind of like that. So I want to give you another piece of that that I call uh, the dig- establishing the dignity of damages. But before I go there, I want to give you a, a phrase that I, I just came up with that I think is very powerful simply for describing in a way the jury can really understand it, and also for yourself to help kind of galvanize and crystallize how that kind of a injury where you can't judge a book by its cover takes a huge toll over time. It just takes a toll by taking in small bits. That's why it's not so obvious from the outside. If it was very intense pain, the person would be limping around or screaming like you hit your thumb with a hammer, It's unmistakable. Those injuries may be very obvious, but they aren't very big because they don't last long. The kind of injuries that I'm talking about are the ones that are much less intense. Therefore, they do not cause external obvious symptoms, but they take a huge toll in small increments over the long haul because they are forever injuries. So I I came up with what I think is a really good characterization in a way people can understand it. And it, and, And here it is. Forever pain steals like an embezzler in small, sustained amounts over the long haul. So it goes unnoticed by outside observers. And in the end... Millions of dollars have been taken. I'm going to say it one more time. It steals like an embezzler in small, sustained amounts over the long haul so as to go unnoticed by outside observers. In the end, millions of dollars have been taken. The reason I like that is most people understand embezzlers, you know, try not to be caught so they don't go grab all the money like a bank robber. And that's the way this injury is. It comes in smaller increments. They take small amounts. Why? So it isn't noticed by the outside, by observers. That's how this kind of injury is. It's for the long haul. They're trying, it's to make it last. Will this injury last forever? But in the end, when you add up all those smaller amounts, it adds up to a huge amount. And next thing, they've taken away millions of dollars. And I think that just really fits this. Now, having said that, when you're going to talk about millions of dollars or significant amount of money with a jury, the first thing you have to do is establish with that jury the dignity of damages. And by that I mean we got to put it up on the pedestal where it belongs. It's nothing to make excuses for, it's nothing to be ashamed of. This is American civil justice. Clients don't, listen, I'm now talking to you, not the jury. We're going to convert to the jury in a minute. But clients don't come to you or me to have a philosophical debate over who was right or wrong out in the road that day, or, or whether the doctor was right or wrong, or that product was right or wrong, safe or not. I mean, they want a finding that the person they're suing was wrong, But they didn't go through all this, come hire a lawyer and go through being jacked around and harassed and everything and then sit through trial and answer interrogatories and depositions all to have a philosophical debate over right and wrong. Why did they come to us? They came to us for a remedy. A remedy. We're in the business of getting remedies. And what's the remedy? Money damages. And we got to get comfortable with it because we can't possibly do our job for the clients until we recognize that's my calling, and there's nothing wrong with it. It's American civil justice. And we don't turn a blind eye to justice because that's no justice at all. And we don't do eye for an eye justice and go tear up someone else's back or poke their eye out or cost them their wife's life that's barbaric. So what do we do? We have a remedy. And this is the remedy. It's all we got. And you know what? It's righteous. So I now want to convert that basic concept. And I want to add one piece before I convert it just to get yourself believing of the full value, not just token amount and not just some amount, but maximum justice, the full and fair amount. One of the things you got to do, because I've had to do it to myself, I'm not being preachy. I mean, I've been through it, is to remind ourselves what if it was me? There's no golden rule prohibition to talking to ourselves. We're not, the jury's not here. This is for us. And we can't stand up and deliver an, a, a closing argument, ask for a substantial amount of money if we're queasy about it. They'll pick up on it. You can't do it. you got to believe it. you got to believe it in your heart and your soul, which means you sometimes have to give yourself a little talking to and remind you of things. That's what I'm here for. This is a a, a very admirable thing to do, and if I'm going to do it, I'm not going to do it in a half-assed way. I'm going to do it, and I'm going to do it fully and right and proud and strong. And one of the things to get there is you have to say to yourself, what if it was me? What if somebody came? And I had a healthy back. And they came along and tore it up. And for the rest of my life, I was going to live with that. On my best day, a nagging pain that's always there and never goes away. It's unrelenting. And on my worst days, it's flared up and really disruptive. And I didn't have it before. Now I got it. And it's never going away. Like that crick in the net you woke up with, except there was no end in sight. I promise you, if someone came to you and that happened to you, thrust into your life unnaturally by no fault of your own, you wouldn't say, and someone, a lawyer came to you and said, you know, I think 150000 is reasonable. You know, you'd say, you got to be kidding me. That ain't even close. But you know what? We've all been affected by people who told us that's what the case is worth whether it's an, an adjuster, whether it's a mediator, whether it's your mentor. We've all heard it, and we just put it in that box. That's just the way it is. Well, that's not the way it is. First of all, that number was artificially deflated and unfair many, many years ago when people said, that's them out. <laughs> and now we've had inflation. Everything else has gone through the ceiling. That one's still there, and it wasn't fair way back when. So we got to adjust it. Not just for the times, but for the fairness of it. And the starting point is to imagine, what if it was me? Let's say you didn't have a good back, and it's you. You had some problems with your back. You've been had, dealing with them for, for a long time, but it's become it's your baseline, you're accustomed to it, and you're getting by well with it. And suddenly, someone drops that baseline down on you. We talked about baseline or will in another one of these. But suddenly, for the rest of your life, that baseline has dropped down for the rest of your life. And your ability to cope is less Because you already had lost some of the healthy back. And now it's less healthy forever. That chunk of dropping your baseline forever is a big deal too. And if it was you and they said, well, I think, you know, this is an aggravation. This isn't a, you know, like you had a good back. And I think probably this one, we probably, you know, somewhere around maybe 80, 90,000 be fair. Again, if it was you, you'd say, hey, I didn't like the way my back was, but my gosh, it's worse forever. And someone did it to me. It didn't just happen. And you're telling me that's only worth ninety thousand for my next thirty-five years, or fifteen years, or fifty, or whatever it is. Once again, you'd say I'm getting a new lawyer, and you'd say, "Wait a minute! Everyone values it this way." I'm saying to you, and I'm not preaching to you. This is honestly, I had to have this same talk to myself. These are revelations that came about more recently. Matt Morgan, one of my partners, kind of, he 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 wasn't tainted by all this. He was younger. I thought, "Well, you don't know better." And I finally he convinced me. I said, "You know what?" It's not that he doesn't know better. It's that he hadn't been turned upside down by all this propaganda over the years. He's looking at it fresh the way I ought to be looking at it. So now I look at it that same way, and I want to share it with you. Because we got to get full value, or, we, or, or, we're, or we're honestly falling short of the mark. And we're all, none of us got into this make a buck. We got into this to do right. And to do right by our client is to be bold and understand the dignity of damages and we start with ourselves, and then we convert it to our jurors. So let me give you, a lot of this came from my talking to, to myself when Matt and I were having these back and forth that I had my own conversion, my own epiphany, my own reawakening. And then I converted it into a way to talk to the jury about it so they can understand the true dignity of damages, and we can put it up where it belongs, on a pedestal, not down in some ditch that was dug out, by the insurance industry with all of their propaganda, and they make us apologize for some. Well, I'm done apologizing. I'm proud. And I'm going to show the jury I'm proud. And I'm going to use words like this. I previewed a few of them in my talk to you. Now we're going to convert them in, in earnest. And right before I start giving money damages, we're going to talk about this. We will have gone through in these cases where you can't see the injury, we're going to have put an end to belittling pain with those terms like this is pilot light pain, not cane pain, and, and those kinds of things. It interferes more with now with the doing, I'm sorry, it interferes now more with the experience of doing than the actual doing, but this is as good as it's going to get, it's only going to get worse in time and it's going to interfere more and more over time with the doing. And this is a verdict for all time. We get it right now or we don't get it right at all. I will have gone through what I call putting an end to belittling pain that you can't see that I've touched on in the previous podcast. Right after that, I'm going to start laying the foundation for the dignity of damages. And the next step, which I won't cover in this, is going to be to roll into actually Having the audacity to ask for full value. And by audacity, I don't mean, you know, strutting fancy, nose in the air, cocky. I mean, you've got the bravery and the courage to do what's right. This comes in the middle. We put an end to belittling pain, and we aren't yet to asking for full and fair amount where we do it and believe it and we validate it with reasonable and fair measuring sticks or damage models. We're right in between those. This is the middle of those three steps in what I call the maximum justice matrix that I lay out in detail in in the upcoming book. So let me hit this piece. Now I am talking to the jury. Folks, I want to talk to you about these non-economic damages people call human damages. Some people call it pain and suffering damages. It's the impact on the enjoyment and quality of life. And I want to talk to you about the fundamentals in American civil justice from which it flows. We don't believe in eye-for-an-eye eye justice when someone hurts someone else. That's Barbaric. We do not go and say, you know, we're going to tear your back up like having to my client. That's just not acceptable in our society today. Maybe in the olden days, but not now. But we also don't believe in turning a blind eye to justice because that's no justice at all. We don't say tough luck just because it can't be cured. The fact it can't be cured makes it worse. Not a reason to turn a blind eye. So what do we do? What do we do in America with that situation? What we do is gather people out of the community like you to come and sit in judgment and to assess the full and fair value of what was taken in the way of health. And it's not about how much Someone's going to get. It's not about how much Miss Jones is going to get. She'd rather have her health back. But that's not an option. We can't go back in time and erase it. She's got to live with it forever. So it's not about how much she's going to get. It's about how much was taken. What is a fair value for what was lost? At the end, the net is going to be a loss to her. Because she's still going to have the problem. But we're not going to just ignore it because you can't cure it. That would truly be unjust. We're going to weigh it. We're going to assess it. We're going to value it fully and completely. What is the value of what was taken in the way of health forever? Keep it in mind. Health is one of the most precious things people have extraordinarily valuable and have part of that taken by no fault of her own, thrust into her life unnaturally because someone else wasn't doing their job on the road that day. We don't do a token amount. We do full and complete justice. That wasn't for everybody. Some people really couldn't do that job because it just wasn't the way they were wired in their beliefs. But none of them are sitting on this jury. Every one of you said, I can respect and get behind that process of recognizing the full and complete value for what was lost without any outside concerns or 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 uh, biases or sympathies. I'm just going to sit down, roll up my sleeves, use our collective wisdom here as jurors, and we're going to decide the amount of help that was taken and what's a fair and reasonable amount for that, because it's not how much she's gonna get, it's about how much was taken and what is a fair value for what was lost. And you have to keep in mind, this is a verdict for all time. We don't come back in 10 years, 20, 30, 40, and do an update and call us all back together and say, how you doing? We get it right now or we don't get it right at all. And you've seen the evidence. And you know the magnitude of what was taken from my client. Not in a big, large chunk all at once. In small pieces. Relentlessly. Over a long period of time. And we're just getting started on her journey with it. And this doesn't get any better. It's going to get worse when the natural aging process overlays on top of those damaged links in her spine. Because the spine never gets a day off. It is always being used. It is always under stress. Looking up, looking down, looking left, looking right, sitting, standing, even sleeping, tossing and turning. It never gets a day off. And you've heard the medical testimony and you have your common sense. With those damaged links and all that activity and stress over time, it is only going to get worse and start interfering more with the actual doing. A lot has been taken. And now I want to talk to you about what is fair and reasonable amount. And at that point, you're going to roll into a damage model, folks. But what you have done is you started by putting an end to belittling pain by using those phrases, by using the things like I gave you the analogy about a crick in the neck and waking up. All of a sudden, the jury goes, Wow, I get it. That's a big deal. The man wakes up in the morning. I'm just going to very quickly do it to bring it to, so it fits in here and you can feel it all in one. He wakes up in the morning didn't, and wakes up and slept wrong, got a crick in his neck. And he moans. His wife says, what's wrong? She says, I slept wrong, got a crick in my neck. says, oh, sorry, honey. He says, I'll be fine. But all day, everything he does, he feels it. He changes lanes and looks in his blind spot, and there it is tugging in his neck. Picks up a briefcase. There it is sits at the office working head down at his desk. It's bothering him, so he stands and walks around. He feels a little better, but then that starts bothering him, so he sits some more, and he's up and down all day. He drives home, same thing in the car. He walks in. His wife said, how's your day? All right, but, you know, this, this thing in my neck is bothering me. She says, well, honey, maybe you better go to the doctor. No, I don't need to go to the doctor. It's not that kind of injury. He goes to bed that night, wakes up. Now it's day two. Moans. Wife says, what's wrong? He says, I was hoping to be gone. Well, I, I, it'll be fine. He goes to work. All Same thing all day, up, down, sitting, blind spot. Whatever he does, it's there. It's with him to one degree or another, sometimes low, sometimes more intense, but it never goes away. And now it's starting to get on his nerves, it's starting to put him in a bad mood. But you know what he doesn't do? He didn't call in sick. It's not that kind of injury. You know what else he doesn't do? He isn't walking around holding his neck going, ow, ow, ow. People say, you big baby, get over it. No one knows. But his wife, I mean, they talk about things. They're married, for goodness sake. But he comes home in a bad mood. This is day two. Wife says, and he's in with the kids, and he's being cranky, and she says, what's the matter with you? And he says, sorry, sorry, this thing's really you know, getting on my nerves. So maybe you better go to the doctor. This time maybe a little less worried about him and a little more. I don't want to crank in the house. He said, no, I don't need to go to the doctor. I'm sorry, I'll I'll get in a better mood. And he does. Wakes up day three, wife's in brushing her teeth, and she hears, hallelujah. She goes, what? He goes, it's gone. Well, you know what my client's injury is like? Just like that, except there is no hallelujah ever. Now, when you lay that out with the other steps in the putting an end of belittling pain, All of a sudden, the jurors go, you know what? This is a big deal because all of them have woke up with a crick in their neck. And by day two or three thought, my gosh, even though they're carrying on and no one know, they're going, wow, this thing's really bad. And they remember waking up the fourth day and it was gone. And they felt like hallelujah or the third day or whatever it was. And then they think, what if that happened in some of the me? And it never went away. Now they go, this really is substantial. A lot of health got taken. And then you add in, thrust into her life unnaturally. Now suddenly they realize they didn't like, hey, you know, I, I, I fell out of bed. Someone did it to them. And now they go, by God, that is deserving of a very substantial verdict. So you have gone through all of the putting an end of belittling pain, and then when you hit the dignity of damages, now they understand it's a big injury. Step two, they go, and you know this whole idea of establishing a dollar amount for that injury is the right thing to do. This isn't a money grab. Anything else would be an utter injustice and we don't do that in America and I'm sure is not going to participate in an injustice and I'm not going to participate in a half-justice because half-justice is no justice at all. Maybe they've heard Martin Luther King. But you have and you will deliver all that and they will understand that. And when the dignity of damages are established, they're going to feel good about doing the right thing and then you will roll into a damage argument in which you believe it, you look them in the eye about it, and you validate it with rational, reasonable measuring sticks. And when you sit down, you can rest assured, assuming that you've been effective in getting rid of the folks that had biases and were never going to listen to that, that there is a high probability you will have stood up for your client who came to you and they couldn't stand up for themselves, and you've done it with courage, dignity, respect, and you will have gotten maximum justice. So y'all take care, and I look forward to our next one.